if you're allowing dynamic action to assist in a movement, then you should let the person maximize the potential of their swing. So when you're saying, you know, the ankles can't get above the bar and that's no longer a valid rep, that to me doesn't make sense because you're limiting the person's ability to maximize the potential they can generate from a good swing. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Dave Durante, a former member of the U.S. national gymnastics team and one of the masterminds behind Power Monkey Fitness. Dave talks about discovering CrossFit after a storied gymnastics career and how he and his partners came to build the annual Power Monkey Week into what can only be described as fitness summer camp for adults. We also discuss gymnastics elements he'd most like to see in CrossFit competition and why elite gymnasts might not be as great at freestanding handstands as most people think. I do want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barman podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. For those who aren't familiar, Power Monkey Fitness, it's a name that just sticks in your brain like an earworm. You can't forget it. What is what is Power Monkey? And then my follow-up question to that, just to give you a heads up, is going to be, where the heck does that name come from? Yeah, sure. So um, we like to think of Power Monkey as kind of um, a group of fitness educators. Uh, we are a group of various backgrounds, uh, basically started with gymnastics, but has branched into weightlifting and gone on way beyond just those two uh, modalities into a lot of different areas. But we like to think of ourselves as fitness technicians, uh, fitness educators, people that uh, in a lot of ways, we like to almost envision uh, the Avengers of fitness, where we're really high-level former athletes who have come together to bring really great fitness education to the masses. And so, um, you know, through our fitness camp, our Power Monkey camp that we do, as well as our, our app, our Monkey Method app, and a lot of other programs that we put out there, it's our way of connecting with the community who are now interested in sports that have really been neglected or kind of um, minimize sports over the years that have now started to get some recognition. And we feel like we're well suited to be able to help people understand how to do those movements in those sports correctly. All right. Well, if you're the Avenger, you, you must've talked to So Chad Vaughn, I know is very heavily involved with power monkey. He's a good friend of mine. He must've told you to bring up a superheroes or comic books reference. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it. If you all are the Avengers of fitness, which Avenger, which Avenger are you? Oh, it's a good question. We've actually gone through this with everybody at camp. Uh, so we've kind of assigned people. I think that I'm Captain America within the group. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry that you have to be, that you have to be <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> I think that was the one that I was assigned. So um, I will go ahead and uh, take Captain America and, and run with it. I'm curious, Chad, uh, who is a, you know, a multi-time Olympian and weightlifting, fantastic coach and all around good fella. Uh, who, who is he on the Avengers squad? This is inside. I have to remember who we, I have to remember. I think we might have Chad as the Hulk, I think. But only Bruce Banner, but only like the mild man. Yeah. The chill, the chill, like you never, you never see him enraged, but every once in a while you you throw a, a mile run at Chad and he turns into the Hulk and just, uh, smashes everything. But I believe, and I might have to get back to you on that one, but I believe that we had assigned Chad the Hulk. 
All right. So Power Monkey, like a lot of fitness companies I know, has gone through a an interesting uh, transition over the past year because how Power Monkey first came on my radar, obviously I know some of the folks have all involved. We've connected before, which has been fantastic. First time recording, which is, which is really cool. Um, and I've always kind of known it through the Power Monkey camps, which is like mm-hmm. summer camp for adults for fitness. And uh, you know, if you follow on social media, people are just having an absolute blast at these events. Obviously, in-person events haven't really been much of a thing over the past 10 or 11 months. So what have you all been focusing on from taking kind of the camps, which were your kind of core business and what you're known for, to transitioning to a, a time when we have to do a lot of stuff remote? Sure, absolutely. And I think that um, we're not in a unique situation being that it's affected everyone who runs events or basically the whole world is trying to figure out kind of what what not only fitness, but what their daily lives are going to look like moving into 2021. So, you know, we were hit pretty hard in 2020, considering that camps and our clinics and other in-person events are a big portion of what we do. Um, We did host our fall camp uh, in October. We only had 20 campers, which was the smallest camp that we ever held, but we decided to move forward with it because uh, Tennessee allowed us to host it. Uh, The location where we host our camp, which is Flip Fest, it's a kids gymnastics camp in the summers. They had hosted actually their kids gymnastics camp all summers and didn't have any COVID cases and were kind of keeping us up to date as to the protocols that they were using that we were going to be able to implement. So we felt pretty sure that we would be able to do it. We did it in a very uh, limited kind of uh, number. But what we did during that time was we shot a full digital camp and we took that, that week to get all of the station shot, all of the lectures, um, and we created over the last six months a pretty incredible product, our Power Monkey Camp Online, which we just launched last week, uh, that basically is a full camp experience, but in a digital version. Uh, we're really proud of it. We think it's an incredible product uh, that has a ton of information in there. And it basically gives you at least an insight into what camp is all about. You don't get the experience. You know, one of the great things about Power Monkey Camp is actually being there and living there with everybody for the week and, and experience the little things that happen between the stations and getting to really know coaches and other campers at a really high level. But from an informational standpoint, uh, this is the next best thing. It's, it's a fantastic product and we're really proud of it. So when you talk, when you, when you go to camp, so say things get back to normal, we, we go to camp, I'm, I'm a Power Monkey camper, and I, I will ask you about the name here in a second. You know, what is my week going to to look like you know it's a lot of different modalities it's weightlifting it's gymnastics you have a lot of different things am i taking a particular track in those if i'm just interested in one or am i kind of experiencing it it all your experience at all what we do is when you arrive at camp on sunday we assign you a group and you stay with that group the entire week and the way we set it up is that you will participate in 10 different stations two hours per station so you end up doing 20 hours throughout the entire week that, that are assigned uh, stations. And we have three weightlifting stations, three gymnastics stations, a jump rope station, a kettlebell station, an endurance station, and a rowing station. So those are the 10 that you will rotate through. Along with that, every morning we have yoga. Uh, during the middle of the day, we have kind of experience camp kind of a thing. We have a lake where you can go paddleboarding and swimming and fishing. We have a ropes course that's this 40-foot high, amazing uh, ropes course with a giant swing over the lake. That's a a really good team-building experience. Uh, Five-mile running trails through the woods. We have a lot of things outside of the gym as well. And then at night, we do lectures. We do, you know, injury rehab lectures, nutrition lectures, mental training lectures. We have open gym time time where there's workouts going on. We have a recovery area with Normatex and Hypervolts and 
all this other cool stuff. We have individual time with the coaches. If you want to work on your particular snatch technique or your muscle up, it's a, an all encompassing experience. If you're into fitness, um, what I would say is that people are gung ho about coming in day one and are super excited. And by Wednesday, they're dead. So most people coming in kind of go super aggressive and don't realize how long and how packed each of the days are. But we really do an amazing job, the staff and the coaches that we have on board do an amazing job of making sure that they get the most bang for their buck. It's well worth the price in terms of what you're getting by the end of the week. So is Wednesday generally like the day where everyone just sleeps in order to recover for the next three-day period? No, it should be. But believe it or not, what we do, Monday and Tuesday are the hardest days in terms of the number of hours that are assigned. Wednesday is our field trip day. And uh, we take a field trip over to CrossFit Mayhem, which is about 30 minutes down the road. We have a great relationship with uh, Rich and the gym. And Chris Tinshaw, who's our endurance coach, runs everyone through a few workouts at Mayhem. So they get to see the the mecca that is CrossFit Mayhem. It's incredible space. They get to experience a workout at Mayhem if they've never been before. We have a ton of international campers, so that's a nice destination for them. And then they come back. They have a nice long lunch, a break in the middle of the day, and they come back to a couple additional stations in the afternoon. And then on that Wednesday night, Chris does a lecture on the workouts that they did. So they get a little bit of an education as to the why behind they did those workouts for the day. All right. Power Monkey, the name. Why is it called called Power Monkey Fitness? It's it's such a great name. So oddly enough, it was an existing company. It it was not something that we came up with. Uh, Early on, my partner, Shane Garrity, who was a former gymnast and stuntman uh, in New York City, me and him had an idea for our ring thing, which is our ring training device that we sell. And this is over 10 years ago now that we started to come up with some prototypes for that product. And we started to shop it around to a bunch of different equipment manufacturers, the Rogue and again, Faster and a bunch of others that were kind of in the space at the time. And Power Monkey was an existing company that was making rigs down in Florida and kind of the Southeast area. And they picked it up and they said, we want to help me make this product. So initially we just came in as partners to make the ring thing. And I was a traveling salesman with a few ring things on my back, going from gym to gym, trying to sell these things. And then over time, we became partners within the company. And then eventually, about seven years ago, six years, seven years ago, uh, Shane and I bought them out and we changed the direction of the company, no longer making rigs and equipment and focusing more on the education side. So for us, it kind of fit because we feel like the power side is more of kind of that weightlifting and the monkey side is more of the gymnastic side. And it kind of fit in with who we are as a company and, and the name just stuck. I mean, humans are primates. Monkeys are primates. It, it makes sense. You're trying to be build powerful skilled primates in a exactly. physical sense. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, what what are some of the things that Power Monkey might not offer now? I mean, it's not like you all are, are new anymore, very established, and it's, it seems like camp is is a pretty tight formula, so I don't want to mess with, with what's going on here. But is there anything, any um, courses, modules, types of instruction that you all might be looking to add in the future that you've thought, hey, I'd love to have this someday? Yeah, absolutely. So with camp itself, we're always looking to introduce new um, lecturers and new experts and new kind of interesting pieces. One reason is because it continues to expand and makes our offerings more interesting, but also is that we have a ton of return campers. You know, we have people that come to camp four or five, six. We have had a couple campers that come almost 10 times now. And so what we try to do is make it continuously interesting to them. And yes, they come for the information because I, I think every time you listen, you learn something new and you pick up something that you can apply in a different way, especially as you grow as an athlete. 
what we want to be able to do is say, hey, we're offering something new so that when you come back, there's something else you can put in your tool belt. So this next camp coming up, we're adding uh, a sleep expert. Uh, she's amazing. She's part of um, the Army CrossFit team and is a sleep expert that deals specifically with athletes. And so that'll be a new lecture that we're going to be adding for the next camp coming up. In terms of our digital offerings and things like that, we're going to be adding more and more programs that incorporate more of the coaches that we have at camp and more of the experts. So we've done that a little bit with uh, what Power Monkey Camp Online is, starting to introduce our audience a little bit more to our endurance coach, Chris, who, Chris, who is obviously well-known um, within the space, probably the most well-recognized coach um, throughout all of the CrossFit community. But we want people to understand the other coaches that we have in our stable as well, the Jeff Martones, who everyone knows, and some of the other rowing coaches, and Dave Newman from RX Smart Gear and teaching his, his jump rope techniques. And so we want to be able to expose people a little bit more beyond just the camp to some of the other great coaches that we have. Who have you all worked with that, I mean, over the course of, you know, your, your, your nearly a decade uh, with, with Power Monkeys that's evolved, who have you worked with who's made the biggest impact on, on your knowledge base as a coach and an athlete? That's, that's a really interesting question. Uh, one thing I would say is that all of our coaches have contributed something significant to my education, um, just to be able to better understand how to lift a barbell. Like coming in prior to listening to Mike and Chad and Cheryl and the rest of our weightlifting crew, Vanessa McCoy, we have an amazing weightlifting crew that have come through over the years. We've probably had close to you know seven to 10 weightlifting coaches over the years that have all been someone who have contributed to USA weightlifting in some capacity. And they've had an enormous impact, not only in my understanding of barbell movements, but also its application into my daily life. So now I have a barbell that I never picked up a barbell when I was a gymnast my entire career, maybe once or twice. So for me, that, that was hugely educational for my, my fitness and just uh, my ability to understand how to move better. Uh, Chris Hinshaw just brought him up, but Chris is the kind of guy that if you speak with him, your mind is going to go to a new place in terms of how you need to be thinking about fitness. Uh, you know, he brought the idea of capacity wad, which is something that Chad and I and him have been working on for a couple of years now. It's a great way for people to understand how to build capacity when, within skill specific movement. And it's something that, you know, Chris has been utilizing within the endurance world forever. And we've transferred into more skill uh, specific development. Uh, but it's hard for me to just pick one. Uh, Chris has done an amazing job. Uh, Jason Lydon, who's our programming instructor and head coach at CrossFit Milford, uh, was able to kind of give me an appreciation of how to tie in all of these sports together and make them a little bit more cohesive from uh, a training perspective. But all of them have contributed something significant. I, I will say another one, Rika Geyser, who is one of our rowing instructors. Rika is a two-time games athlete and Olympian for South Africa. She also competed for a University of Washington. She was on the all-century NCAA team for University of Washington, which is pretty amazing. Uh, she is an incredible coach, an incredible athlete. And when you work with her, she gives you an appreciation and a new understanding of what it actually means to row. Like you can just sit on the row and do your thing. But to me, she's one of the ones that had the biggest impact in terms of giving me, who's five foot nothing, an appreciation for actually sitting on a rower. Uh, so I never thought I would have that appreciation, but I know it's a long winded answer, but I, th I feel like I would be doing injustice uh, to the coaches that I've surrounded myself with if I picked just one. 
I don't ask open-ended questions without expecting some lengthy answers. Right, right, you're pretty, right. you're pretty experienced on the mic, so you know I, it would, I would have been, uh, it would have been my fault if I were expecting something really, really <laughs> short and not detailed. There, let's talk a little bit about because I'm, I'm curious. I've, I've never been to a Power Monkey camp. I've actually, um, graciously, I, it's awesome. I've been invited before, but I've never actually been able to to attend. Um, so hopefully that'll change in the near future. But I got to ask, so. It seems like a summer camp, and actually, I'm getting that summer camp vibe, and it, it makes me wish I was a kid again. I'm I'm not not getting any younger. So, if you go to one of these, you have kind of all the the scheduled events that you've mentioned. You also have some unstructured time where people can explore their fitness and interact. Um, you do have a bunch of fitness conscious, energetic adults kind of descending on one on one place, and you know, often, often this is their vacation. So, do things right. get do things get rowdy? I'm curious. Uh, well, good questions. One of the things you need to experience yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> what, I, happened, I what happens at camp I'm, stays at camp. Maybe, right, right? Exactly. And we've had to kind of take that stance more and more over the course of the last couple of years as, you know, things with cell phones have become a little bit, uh, more prominent, but, uh, camp is an incredible experience. I would say during the week, things are fairly tame. Uh, we have campfire stories at night that Chad runs, which are amazing. Like, uh, they're kind of hero stories and people bring some of their incredible stories to the campfire where s'mores and beers are had just like a normal campfire setting. And uh, we get to hear some incredible stories from people who are closely tied to the camp community, like the Power Monkey Camp group, but then just participants as well will chime in and tell their stories. And it's an amazing thing that Chad and Jody, uh, Jody Vaughn, Chad's wife, uh, has started a few years back and has developed into something really significant as part of the week. But on Friday, Friday is kind of our, our last full day. And we have a fun competition that we do uh, where everybody within their group participates. And uh, nothing too crazy, but just a way for us to kind of finish the week on a good note. And then we have a, a party on Friday night. And my, my partner likes to say it, it's, it's the camp dance. So uh, that night, we definitely get a little rowdy. Uh, it gets a little crazy. We got a DJ. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever et, uh, met DJ uh, Sly uh, Amen. He's incredible. He's very closely tied with a lot of the cross community. He's our DJ. He comes out, you know, puts on an amazing show. We have a nice little bar set up and we end the week on a really high note, but it's the kind of thing that I don't want to get too much into it. We've turned it into a costume party. And so it is costumes are required and they get a little crazy, but uh, it's the kind of thing you definitely have to experience in person. It's it's a little bit like if you've ever been to uh, for folks who have who have been to the CrossFit Games and have gone to one of the after parties at the CrossFit Games or after any like major sporting event or like at the Olympics after people are done oh, yeah. competing, you got all this energy and it's you know you you're not like you don't need to perform the next day right that's all behind you so it's just like everyone kind of. They treat it as a really big, uh, really big opportunity to, to yeah. cut loose on the dance floor, so to speak. Absolutely, and we've we've had to make it very crystal clear because everyone leaves the following morning on Saturday morning, and the shuttle, for the most part, leaves fairly early. I mean, it leaves around seven, seven thirty. We've always had to been very, very clear with everyone. Say, if you're not on the shuttle, you're not going to the airport. You got to find your own way there. And people nod their head and say yes. And we've had a few people who. Party a little too hard that night. Missed their shuttle. Missed their flight. Didn't get didn't get home for a while. So uh, you know, just something to be aware of. That it's a great night, but the following morning can be a little rough for some people when they're on their way out. <laughs> uh, Dave, let's talk a little bit more about 
your background as a, as an athlete, as a, as a gymnast, uh, give folks a little bit of insight into kind of your athletic history, because I think it's very important in the expression of what you do today, because it's not like you woke up one morning as an adult and said, you know what, I want to start this, this basically summer fitness summer camp for adults. You had a pretty significant pedigree in physical culture. So just give us a little insight into your history there. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I turned 40 uh, last year, so my career as an athlete is getting further and further away from uh, who I am. But uh, I started gymnastics when I was six years old, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to Stanford University. So I moved from New Jersey out to California and competed for Stanford for a number of years. Uh, during that time, I was became All-American a couple of times and uh, then stuck around and my fifth year, I made Team USA for the first time and uh, claimed the spot on the national team and uh, became a staple of the national team for the following six plus years. Uh, during those years, I moved to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs and uh, trained as a member of the uh, you know, resident athlete program. I uh, was a national champion a few times. I was on a few world championship teams. And then I went to Beijing in 2008 as part of the Olympic team as the alternate. Uh, when I came back, I went back to Stanford and I helped coach a team to a national champion championship, our first one in 14 years back in 2009. And uh, then I moved out to Europe. I have dual citizenship with Italy and uh, a lot of my family lives out there. So I moved out to Italy for a couple of years. Uh, just about two years, a year in Rome where all my family lives and then a year in Venice. And then I moved back and right around that time, actually when I finished my competitive career is when I first found CrossFit and started doing my own CrossFit workouts at Stanford while I wait for the guys to kind of come in and train and uh, became a bigger and bigger part of my life uh, after my, uh, my stint in Italy. And uh, it was kind of a in- interesting situation that got me back into coaching. I wanted to step away from the sport quite a bit and not really have too much to do with it and try to figure out something else that maybe interested me or uh, figure another path. But uh, I had an incident where I went to Innsbruck, Austria and visit one of my gymnastics friends on the Austrian team. And I fell skiing. It was my first time skiing. And I fell and I fell within the first like 20 feet on my first run. And I blew my knee out, uh, ACL, MCL, meniscus. And I had done it twice before, two on my left and one on my right. But uh, I had to have surgery in Rome and I had to do all the rehab out there. And during the rehab process, I started going to a gymnastics gym in Rome and helping the kids train. And uh, that kind of rekindled this love for the sport and for coaching. And when I came back to the States, it kind of hit the ground running. I'm wanting to help people appreciate the sport that I have loved for the past three plus decades. Well, I I can, I can, empathize with, with a, a bit of that story specifically in that I've been skiing once in my life. It didn't go so well and I haven't been since. So yeah, I'm right uh, there with you. I'm right yeah, there with you. I, yeah. I think you and I, I think you and I are, uh, <laughs> not, you know, I'll go on a ski trip, but I won't leave the lodge. I'll I, I'm, I, 100%. I tell my wife that all the time. Cause you know, we're in Oregon now. We're not that far away from Mount hood. It's beautiful. And I lived in Colorado for four plus years. I would go up to Vail and Aspen all the time, Breckenridge. And I am all for staying in the lodge and watching other people, you know, do get up there. But my legs are just not built for that. I, I, they're just not built. As soon as I go a little lateral, my knees are going out on me. So I recognize where my place is. 
the whole like pizza French fry thing. Nah, I'm gonna be in the hot tub with some cocoa. Yeah, you, guys, you do your you do your yeah. thing. Is it a lot to have a gym in the basement or something like right, that? Right, right. I actually think I would have better luck uh, trying to ski on my hands inverted than on my feet. So that might be the only way that I actually give it another try is if they can somehow strap the boots to my hands. You'd have better luck than most. You know what I mean? If that yeah, was a level yeah. play, a level playing field. So I do want to talk about that. Um, when the CrossFit Games in Stage 1, because they did the virtual competition of Stage 1 of the 2020 CrossFit Games due to COVID, they announced the handstand hold. Oh yeah. Did your inbox just blow up with people asking for advice, tips, thoughts on that one? It's funny over the years, whenever a new gymnastics movement, strict handstand pushups for the first time or ring handstand pushup or whatever it might be, strict muscle up in the, in the, uh, um, you know, in the open, whatever it might be, when something comes out for the first time that people are like, Oh my God, now I need to figure it out within the next three days. Uh, you get like a lot of people kind of scrambling, right. And trying to figure it out. But the handstand hold was something that was especially close to my heart because one, it's something I do every day. You know, I love being inverted and it's been something that I've predicted for a number of years and hoped that it would actually be something that we can incorporate. And when I saw it, I was so excited. Uh, I gave my prediction as to who would potentially win and what the top score was. And I was pretty close. I said, no one would get over three minutes. If they got over three minutes, I thought that that would be an incredible score. And Katrin came closest, just I think she was at 253 or something like that. And she was very close to getting that full three minutes. But to me, I loved it. I thought it was an amazing, uh, amazing thing to watch. Okay, I got, I got to ask. You're, you're a 40-plus-year-old former gymnast, but I know you tested this out. I know, oh, yeah. I know that as soon as it was announced, you, you got upside down and you're like, let me see what I can do. What, what did you come up with? Well, I, I did it the day of. Uh, we were actually at camp. Uh, when it was going on. So I was at Power Monkey Camp and I gave it a try that day. And I did, uh, I think it was six minutes, 38 seconds, something like that. Um, but my record, which I set not that long ago, a few months back is nine minutes and one second, freestanding, no walking. Um, but part of the training for things like that after a year, I do like 20 and 30 minute holds up against the wall as part of the training for that. Gotcha. So are you just like listening to a podcast, watching something on TV upside down? Yeah, I'll put Netflix on sometimes. I'll uh, definitely listen to podcasts, always have podcasts going on, but sometimes I'll watch a show. Uh, But a lot of times what I'll do is I kind of have markers that I shoot for in terms of what I'm trying to do inverted minute to minute. So I'm watching the clock so that I can actually transfer weight and, and get into different positions according to when the time is set. So having a timer always there is kind of important for me to make sure that I know where I am within the hold. What what gives out like what is your failure point at that? I mean you are you are holding for two, sometimes even three times as long as these games athletes. And these games athletes, some of them are trained gymnasts. Katrin, trained gymnast. Carrie Pierce, who I believe finished second, trained gymnast. You know, where where are you where are you failing on this? Yeah. So, so one thing I'll say in that is being a trained gymnast doesn't mean that you're going to be good at this. And it's because the holes that we do in the gymnastics world are fairly, you know, short in time. You know, the positions that we have to hold are maximally three seconds. You know, you're sitting in a position for two to three seconds and you're moving on to the next. So it's pretty transient in terms of going from skill to skill. Uh, long holds is something that I start to develop after my gymnastics career. So it's funny, uh, there was a former national team gymnast that had just retired that was training with me at Solace uh, a couple of years ago when I was still coaching there regularly. And I was teaching a handstand class and I had some handstand holds as part of the session. 
And I had him do like two minute holds up against the wall and he couldn't do it. And he couldn't do two minute holds. And I was like, how is it possible that you can't do two minute holds? And I had to kind of realize that it really isn't something that we work on regularly. Like I think a gymnast at that level should be able to do at least three minutes of hold, but it isn't something that we ever do. So don't expect a former gymnast to be able to do super long holds. They'll be able to do it longer than most, but it is some, it's a skill you need to train specifically. Now, in terms of failure points, there's a couple things that go. I don't look at it as a stability issue. Uh, just very quickly for your listeners, I look at handstands, a well-rounded handstand as having kind of three pillars to it. There's a strength component, there's a stability component, and there's a positional component. And what most people end up doing is they'll work on like one of these and neglect position or neglect stability. But when you're holding a handstand for a really long period of time, while it might seem like stability is critical, if you're looking for a really long hold, stability shouldn't even be that much of an issue. You should feel very stable on your hands which means that you should be able to make subtle adjustments as needed. Like I, I move the weight and I shift the weight pretty drastically throughout the hold. So it's not one, put, one position static for the entire time. I'm shifting weight laterally and saying, okay, the right shoulder is going to take the brunt of the work for the next 20 seconds so that I can give rest to my right shoulder. And then I'll shift the weight to the other side. Then I'll get into a really big arch. And then my back is taking a lot of the weight a lot of the pressure. Then I'll shift my weight and take all the pressure off of the fingertips on my right side so that the forearm on the right gets a break. So for me, it's, it's about making sure that you shift the weight according to where the stress points are. But the biggest stress points are going to be your shoulders, your upper back, and your forearms. Those are the three that you need to always be conscious of and to be able to kind of shift the weight accordingly. Interesting. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I got to say, it was very interesting seeing the different techniques that people attempted. Some with the split legs, it was like they were on a balance, like a, like a tightrope wire, and they had kind of the, the balancing pole. And they, uh, they could make those subtle shifts by just gradually changing how they were flexing their legs. It was a really interesting, interesting test. And I'm, I, it was what I absolutely had to ask because I, I know that your inbox was getting blown up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that one. That was a huge one. I, I hope they actually do it again. Maybe they'll do it in the open or something. Well, At least you, up against the wall. What are some gymnastics tests that, speaking in the CrossFit realm specifically, because we're not going to make Chad Vaughn uh, you know, hold a handstand anytime, anytime soon. Maybe on I a, will. Maybe on, a bet <laughs> we, maybe on a bet we will. At least not at a weightlifting competition. What are some other gymnastic elements. Um, it could be ones that, you know, maybe you do train as a gymnastic skill when you are a competitive gymnast, or it could be one that, that maybe you don't, but what are some body weight or gymnastics skills or movements or tests that you would like to see incorporated into the CrossFit games? Yeah. I mean, the, the handstand one is the handstand hold one that we saw was uh, a great one. I think that one's one that I've been uh, hoping for, for a long time. There are some standards that I would like to see seen, changed. Um, with regards to the movements that you're seeing consistently now. One, with regards to bar muscle up. Um, I think if you're allowing dynamic action to assist in a movement, then you should let the person maximize the potential of their swing. So when you're saying, you know, the ankles can't get above the bar and that's no longer a valid rep, that to me doesn't make sense because you're limiting the person's ability to maximize the potential they can generate from a good swing. So in, in my mind, changing the standard on something like that changing the standard on a handstand push-up, not allowing hands to be outside more than two inches outside of shoulder width. You should not allow for a very wide handstand push-up. You should make sure that a tripod position is in place where the head is traveling in front of the hands. I would 
I would definitely, I would take out kipping handstand pushups completely from competitive setting. You, you, I don't, you'd upset a lot of people. By, I know, by doing I know. I, I really would, but I would also protect them from neck damage that they're going to be feeling 10 years down the road. So uh, for, for me, it, especially people that are using uh, kipping handstand pushups in place of being able to do strict handstand pushups, it's a different conversation when you have a games athlete who can do 50 strict like carry in a row, and then she uses kipping to kind of you know facilitate speed uh, on top of the strength that she already has. But in, if you're using the kipping in place of the strength, that's when we start to see a little bit of an issue. So for me, some of those standards I think would would benefit the community a little bit more if we can kind of see those, allow the person to kind of benefit from good technique. Uh, but things like L-sits, uh, things like strict toes-to-bar, I would love to see a strict toes-to-bar where, you know, we put up stall bars behind the person and really see whether or not the person is capable of doing a correct toes-to-bar. And what I mean by correct toes-to-bar, meaning not a lat-activated toes-to-bar, as soon as you create lat activation, you're bringing bar to toes and no longer toes to bar. And that's saying, okay, my limitation is either a strength of my hip flexors and my abs or a limitation from a mobility standpoint of my hamstring and, and lower back. And what I'm going to do to compensate for that is just bring the bar down to my ankles. So you put a, a bar behind you, you put a wall behind you, and it limits your ability to do lat pull down. It forces you into doing it a little more correct. So I would love to see some strict you know, wall related, uh, toast to bar incorporated sometime soon. Dave Castro. I, I sure hope you're listening. I sure hope you're listening <laughs> to this episode specifically Dave, uh, other, other Dave, not to get too many, not to get three Daves in, right, right. in this podcast, Dave, where's the best place for people to follow along with the work you do and also with power monkey. Sure. So you can go to powermonkeyfitness.com or powermonkeycamp.com if you're looking for the event side of things. Uh, our Instagram is at powermonkeyfitness. My personal one is at Dave Durante. The other thing that Power Monkey Camp online that we were discussing is just academy.powermonkeyfitness.com. And that's where you can basically find the majority of what we're doing right now. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great talking to you, Dave. Thank you. 